Well, as Emma and Katie mentioned at the beginning, we had our very first outdoor uh, service of the season. It was uh, a lot of fun, and I want to invite you to join us if you are in town one of these next two weeks. And I want to extend a special invitation for those of you who haven't been able to come and haven't felt comfortable coming back yet when we are in person. We had a chance to see some folks that we haven't seen for so long because they realize, okay, we are outside, and the chance of getting COVID out there when you're giving yourself a little distance, it is next to zero. So if you are in town, if you feel comfortable, we would absolutely love to see you, because community, community matters. Community is so, 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 so important. In fact, as we head back indoors, um, if you want to know how you can get involved and get into community, we have a small ch- online small church that we're, we're working with. So let us know if, um, if we can help you get connected because we were created for it. We were created for community. Well, speaking of community, many of us are coming off a pretty special leadership gathering that we just had right here in this room. We were one of about 200 host sites for something called the Global Leadership Summit. About 70,000 leaders got to experience this live in all these different host sites. Then they're going to translate it into, I don't even know how many languages, and more than another 200,000 people are going to get a chance to experience this leadership event that brings such a diverse group together. In fact, in an unscripted moment, one of our summit hosts, he's a pastor from California, he drew our attention to what it was we were experiencing together. And he said, he said, I want to make sure I get this right. He goes, we shouldn't be here, he said. We should not be here. Where else do you find a gathering this diverse? And he was a black guy. He said, I'm not even talking about racial, um, racial diversity, which there was tremendously so. He goes, there's a diversity of ages and incomes. There were leaders from churches and business and academics and entertainment from the nonprofit sector and more. He goes, where else are you going to find Republicans and Democrats in the same room, not yelling at each other? Where else are you going to find people who are vaccinated, unvaccinated? Where are you going to find people who are normally so divided coming together to learn from one another? They have a a slogan, a catchphrase with this conference. It's, when leaders get better, everyone wins. We had this common goal of saying, what if we could learn from one another? What if we could come together and help make this world a better place? You know, consider how different that gathering of leaders is from most other gatherings of leaders. It is getting so hard to find a community of leaders when when they're gathering together, they're not conspiring about how do we crush our competition, whoever that may be. All right, we got a lot to cover today. And what we talk about today really, really matters. It gets at all of these things we're talking about right now and more. So let's dive right in. I invite you to write this down. Our last series ended with the question, is your hope too small? Maybe some of you were tuned in on that one when Pastor Dan was saying this question, asking this question, is your hope too small? The Global Leadership Summit was founded by followers of Jesus. And these are people that didn't have a small hope. They had a grander vision, a grander vision anchored in the vision that Jesus cast. And I would imagine many of you, many of you, you've experienced the kind of community that Jesus invites us into, and there's nothing like it, nothing like it, where there's a shared faith that's anchored in reality, 
not in myths, not in legends, where there's a shared faith that we can actually learn how to hear from a creator who wants to speak into our lives, who wants to guide us, wants to lead us, where we experience a peace that truly does transcend all understanding, where we experience truly transcendent worship, where we can experience supernatural guidance and wisdom from beyond, where we can see beauty brought forth from ashes, where we experience a God who cares enough to steer us away from the things that we only think we want, where we can experience a kind of hope that only an empty tomb can offer, and we experience this in community with one another. For those of you who experience these things, maybe you've wrestled with this question before. You could write this one down too. How do we help others see that there's more? How do we help people see that there's more? I remember talking to my friend Mauricio from Denise, uh, Destino Covenant, and we're like, we got to bring people to this leadership thing because it's so hard to explain it to people who've never gone. Same thing for those of us who've experienced how even more so with real Christian community. How do we help people see that there's more? How do we help people see that Jesus of Nazareth is inviting us into a completely different level of living? And how do we inspire and equip those who come after us to do the same? This is a teaching series about that. We're calling this series Passing the Torch. And in this series... We are learning from three of the most successful handoffs in history. From Paul to his churches, from Moses to Joshua, and from Jesus to his church. And all three of them modeled these things. They modeled this. We put these into a continuum. They modeled shining, welcoming, equipping, entrusting, and learning. And what we're going to do here in this first dive into this. Today, we're going to focus on shining and welcoming. Shining and welcoming. And we can learn a lot of these things from any of those others, but we're especially going to focus in here today on what we can learn about shining and welcoming from Paul's handoff to a young man named Timothy. If you have your Bible with you, please open with me to a first century letter. We call it Second Timothy. If you don't have a Bible, you can download a free Bible app. Just go to Bible.com and it's an outstanding resource. So we're going to be looking at, um, at a passage here from Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to read verses 1 through 5 again because this is what we focused on last week and it'll hopefully even be a little bit more powerful in context here. So here we go, verses 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. So, Paul, what he's saying here is, here's what you can expect to see almost everywhere around you. People are going to be self-absorbed. They're going to be greedy. They're going to be convinced they're right. Everyone else is wrong. They'll engage in slander. They'll turn against their parents. They won't love what is good. They'll put the pursuit of pleasure above their pursuit of God. And one of the things that I, I can't stress this enough, what Paul didn't do is just stop with the problems. And then in the, in the paper, just make a sad-faced emoji, you know? Too bad. 
We have all these problems. He didn't stop there like so many of us do. He went on. Let's, let's look at what he writes now in the new content. Let's look at verses 10, start with 10 through 11. He says this, and he's writing to this young man, Timothy. He says, you, however, remember those two words. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. What are the next two words? My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all that the Lord rescued me. All right, those first two words that I had to highlight, what were, anybody remember what those are? The first two words were, you however. In contrast to what they were seeing all over the place, he said, you however, you've chosen a different path. It's a contrast. Culture's trending one way. Paul modeled a different way. And Timothy was following his lead. All right, let's continue. Verses 12 through 17. 12 through 17. Still getting used to the new podium here. Uh, Just a word to next time you're up. It's slippery. It's slippery. All right, 12 through 13. All right, Uh, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. Okay, those last two verses about Scripture being God-breathed, equipping us in all kinds of good ways, how many of you have heard of that passage before? I think a lot of us have. It's a very familiar passage to, to us. But here's what a lot of people do. A lot of people will read that first section that I read or talk about that. Culture's going this terrible direction. It's, it's, things are horrible, things are horrible. Then they'll jump to that last, those last two verses. But Scripture is the answer. What they often fail to do, that we're going to spend some time on, they leave key content out. There was some content that we read between things are really bad and Scripture's the answer, right? Okay, well, as we do that, it's like this. I want to introduce um, a mainstay around here at Emmanuel, especially in our teen ministry. This here is Bob. Bob. Now, Bob has played just about every role you can play. Can you guys remember? What are some of the things Bob, what are some of the roles Bob has played? Bob has been... Sasquatch yep. hunter. He's been a Squatch, a Squatch hunter, Legolas, Gimli, Aragorn, the Grinch... Santa, Jason, he has been just about every role you can conceive of, he has been it. Well, what he is playing today, he is playing the role of a person who talks about everything is so bad, but I have the answers. You know, just just turn to the Bible and he leaves the rest out. Have you ever met anyone like that? The kind of person (laughs) who says... There's a lot of problems. I have all the answers, but they leave out this key stuff. So when he's saying, hey, I got the answers, you look at this guy, and are you thinking to yourself, I want what he has? 
No, no. So we'll take him away as, as, as Emma and Kira pull Bob aside for some counseling here. Um, let me show you a quote here. This quote comes from a, um, a Christian musical artist who knows what it's like to get hammered by people who say, I know the Bible, I have it all figured out, and you're wrong for this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason. He wrote this, or said this. If we are the light of the world, no wonder the world's so dark. No wonder the world's so dark. If you're taking notes, I want to invite you to write this down. When it comes to passing the torch, this thing we're talking about today, shining and welcoming are what I'm going to call opening height. These are the basics. These are opening height. Shining and welcoming are opening height. What do I mean by opening hike? Height. Opening hype is a hype. Opening height is a term we used in track. In, in big meets, because they had to eliminate some of the people before the meet even started to say, we don't have time to have everyone get a shot at this. In some of these events like high jump and pole vault, they would have what's called opening height. If you couldn't hit this basic height, then you weren't, this wasn't the meet for you. You know, this was, this was, you weren't ready, I should say, maybe for that meet. Many people are imitators of Bob. Instead of sticking with the scriptures where Paul in the scripture says, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Bob wants to take shortcuts. He wants to skip this section that is so important that Bob, that Paul, Paul was sharing with Timothy. They want to tell you something that you should know or something you should do, but they're not shining and welcoming first. They're not shining and welcoming first. Shining and welcoming work together. Many of you maybe have heard this saying before, the next one in your, in your notes there, that people are drawn to light, but they stay for warmth. Anybody heard that before? People are drawn to light, they stay for warmth. So many people under a banner of Christianity, they're lamenting about how dark and how cold the world is getting. Now, certainly dark and cold are not something to rejoice over, but there's an opportunity there. The darker it is, the brighter we shine. The colder it becomes, the more people long for warmth. It's interesting. I was thinking about our attention. Our attention is drawn to light, right? Especially if it's moving. Our, our attention is drawn to contrast, to faces, to movement. So what if they see that we're different? There's a contrast. What if they see our faces aren't like Bob's? I think they turned him around so we wouldn't look at his grumpy face there. What if people could see that we're growing, there's movement in the right ways? We were created for community. What if welcome home wasn't just something that everyone's sticking on their doors and on their brochures right now? What if it was something you really felt when you stepped into a community? Now, I promised we wouldn't just read the text but we're also going to apply them. So let's do that right now. Let's follow the example that Paul set and not leave that key content out. So let's go back and look at that. Let's start with two keys to shining brightly. Then we're going to look at two keys to welcoming well. So here we go. Two keys to shining brightly. Number one, does your life inspire curiosity from a distance? Does your life inspire curiosity from a distance? I tell you, I'm 53 years old and I cannot remember a time when it's been easier to stand out just by doing things we used to consider civil. If you're just kind, you stand out these days. If you just listen to people who disagree with you, you stand out. 
You stand out by being in the same space with people who aren't like you and not fighting. You stand out by simply turning off your devices when we're together or just being consistent. We stand out. Jesus was described as the light of the world. He stood out. And it's never been easier, at least in my lifetime, to catch people's attention simply by doing the things that we used to associate with civility. So there's the first. You can create this curiosity at a distance just in simple ways like that. But here's the second. What are two keys to shining brightly? One, does your life inspire curiosity from a distance? And then this one, do people see consistency up close? Do people see consistency up close? Timothy, he saw authentic faith up close. If you go back and look at those things that Paul said, so much of that was about what Timothy saw up close. Elsewhere in in his letters to Timothy, we find out that Timothy had a grandmother who lived out her faith, that he had a mother who lived out her faith. With Paul, he had a father figure who did the same. Here is some of what Paul said, stuff that Bob left out. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, and look what it says next. Can you read that with me? Knowing from whom you learned it. He saw Paul up close. He got a chance to say, this person really believes these things. So, in our lives, do people see consistency up close? Are we doing our best by God's grace to make Jesus Lord of our private lives? Our private lives, all of it. Does the way that we live in private match the way we look in public? And I want to tell you this, here's some great news. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, when people see that we aren't perfect and that we struggle, but keep going, that can be a positive. We'll come back to that in a couple minutes. It's actually a positive. Do we have any imperfect people here? All right, we do. All right. Do any of you struggle to bat a thousand when it comes to God honoring life? Absolutely. All right. Well, like I said, I'll tell you why that's a positive thing in just a few minutes. Here we go. Okay. So those are two keys to shining brightly. Does your life... can Inspire curiosity from a distance and to people see consistency up close. Now let's turn our attention to two keys to welcoming well. Number one, and this might be surprising to a number of people, don't hold back on truth. Can I get an amen? Even before I dig into that one? All right, don't hold back on truth. This might be the number one thing that we actually struggle with as the ECC family. Why do we struggle with this? We struggle with this because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to push people away. So sometimes what we do is we're like, I don't want to say some of these hard things because what are people going to think? If they think God is like that and it doesn't fit their, shouldn't we kind of ease into things? Well, not if we're watering down the words of Jesus. It was interesting. What did Paul say? He said, you've seen all this up close. You've seen my conduct. You've seen my aim in life. You've seen my faith, my patience, my love. You've also seen my sufferings. He said, You've seen what I've endured, he said. Indeed, he says, and I quote, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I know this sounds counterintuitive. To talk about Jesus' hard sayings and the fact that the invitation to follow Jesus, it is one of full, unconditional surrender. It is. 
And I know that's hard. It's hard. When things don't go like we think they should, or when Scripture says something we disagree with, it is natural to think, okay, if it's hard for me to trust you, when you say things that I don't think you should say, and when you draw boundaries where you do, when you don't answer prayers the way I think you should, that's hard for me. Well, how can I possibly defend you, God, if I'm thinking you should do things differently? Well, it's tempting to hold back. But here's the thought that really struck me today. Consider what we are communicating when we communicate that God is less than worthy of everything. That's the other side of this, isn't it? When we're holding back, we are communicating a a smaller God who doesn't have the right and the wisdom to say the things that he says. And don't we know this? Don't we all intuitively know things of greater value cost more? I think we know these things deep down. What if we told people about a God who is worthy than more than we could ever give? And we modeled that. When we invite people into a faith that isn't costly, Aren't we doing this very thing that Paul warned us about? Take a look at this, 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Let's not do the thing that Paul warned us about. Let's not do that. Let's not give people what we think they want to hear. Let's obviously use tact. Let's use wisdom. Let's be spirit-led. And let's paint a picture of a God who is worthy of all. All. Let me talk right now just to believers, just to believers in, in the audience here. Those of us who've been born again, those of us who've come to trust Scripture more than we trust our heart or our eyes, If you haven't done this for a while, go back and reread Job 38 through 42. Go back and reread Isaiah 45 and 46. Reread Romans 8. Let's fall in awe and love once again with this awesome God who's worthy of everything. And let's do our best to live that out. Let them see up close someone who is at peace, at peace with not telling God what he should do because of who he is. All right, I believe that's one key to welcoming well, for us to have that kind of awe and respect for God that we personally have. All right, let's talk about the second one. So two keys to welcoming well, don't hold back on truth, and this one, of course, of course, don't hold back on grace. Can I get an even louder amen to that one? Don't hold back on grace. Remember earlier I said our imperfections, they can be an asset. I think I used different words, but that's what I was trying to get at. This is where that comes into play. Consider Paul's example. Paul was the first to own to say, okay, I have a past that I'm not just not proud of. It was horrible. My past was horrible. He put it in writing. Look at this, 1 Timothy chapter 1. In fact, this is in chapter 1 of his first letter to Timothy. 
I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying, deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then what does Paul say? Of whom I'm the... I'm the worst. I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. I don't know all of you super well, but I'm going to guess that none of you threw Christians in prison for being Christians. Stood by as one was stoned to death giving approval to it. Probably not, right? In another one of his letters, we call it Romans, we find that Paul isn't just saying, yeah, my past isn't, was horrible. I'm the worst of sinners. He says, I still struggle. I don't know why I do what I do. I do these things that I hate. Let people see. As they're coming in close. I believe this. I'm trying to live it out. I make a lot of mistakes and there's a God of grace who cheers me on. People need to see that. Jesus' disciples changed the world and I I liked how one of the people at the summit worded it. They said, of the 11 disciples who followed Jesus into the garden, all of them unfollowed Jesus when the soldiers came, right? As a father, I don't care if my kids aren't perfect drivers. I'm not a perfect driver. I do care if she's heading for a cliff. I do care if you're opening up your door and letting people in that are going to hurt you. I do care if you're doing things that are dangerous. I care about that. But if you're on your way home and you're doing the best you can, the imperfections don't make me sad. We have a God that isn't as concerned as I think we think he is when you're just making mistakes, but you're trying your best to go the right way. It's very different than the other things you're talking about. In fact, aren't we actually drawn to people that we can relate to? Don't try to be someone that no one can relate to by pretending that you've got everything more figured out than you do. If you want to welcome well, don't hold back on truth and don't hold back on grace. All right, well, I hope to some of you this feels like good news. I hope so. That opening height for passing on a faith in God, it's not about having all the answers. I have to have all the answers to everybody's questions. That's not opening height. Opening height is, do you look different in good ways? And are you welcoming people in, in a God-honoring way? And as I was typing this in, I was thinking about my early years in youth ministry. In Camp Lutherdell, I was still in high school. Back then, all we had was a 30-something leader and a bunch of teenagers. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Kind of sounds familiar. We did our best to shine and welcome. And here's what we found out. This is your next, uh, next talk point here. Paul's example isn't the only thing that we have access to. Here's what I mean like that. As good as his example was, we have access to the same Holy Spirit that Paul had access to, that we experienced up there at camp when I was just a teenager, not knowing much of anything about this. In chapter 1, I'd encourage you to reread this. Chapter 1, Paul describes a moment when he and some other adults came around Timothy and they prayed for the Holy Spirit 
to fill him. God showed up at camp, even with our lack of experience and resources. God showed up in Timothy's life. This is something that God is in. God is in this. That same spirit is available to us. So here's my invitation as we bring this teaching to a close. I love this. Will you help us set some new personal bests this season? In track at those big meets, you know, if I qualified for for my event, I didn't want to hit the minimum requirement that got me in. I wanted to get a personal best, a personal best. Fall marks the beginning of a new ministry season for us. And we're going to give you now an opportunity to pray through a song here that it seems like it was almost written for this moment, doesn't it? This song that's about shining brightly and at whatever the cost is, God, I want you to be magnified in me. So that's going to be our closing prayer. And, and so when we get to that song, I want you to sing it, to pray it out. Before we sing, though, let me close with this true story. There's more than one Bob at our church. More than one Bob. And I didn't know you'd be in the front row here today. I had the honor of serving with this Bob in Juarez this summer. And Bob's got a new scar on his head. New scar. Several of us were there when he got it. You're a tough guy. And whether or not you were here, you'll be able to check my words. I was going to say it. You're a tough guy. Bob got a head injury when we were down in Juarez. It went all the way down to the skull. Nose was broken, all kinds of bumps and bruises along the way. And this accident happened about 8 o'clock at night. And our friend Nata took us to the hospital. Now, Nata, real quick backstory on him. Nata was born in Juarez. And he was born to a very poor family. And this family heard about this oasis of hope on a hill called Emmanuel Children's Home. And they took him in and they gave his family a chance with education and hope and food and support. That home impacted Nata's life so much that he named his first born son, Emmanuel. And as he got older, he got invited to work at the home and still does to this day. So Nata's driving us across the border. We go to the hospital and we realized pretty early it was going to be a long night. And they said, of course, Bob can be here. You can have one other person in the waiting room. And so Nata's like, well, I'll wait in the car. And, and, and I said, well, why don't we? were like, why don't you just go home? We'll figure, we'll figure this out. It's going to be late. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I got some Pringles. I <laughs> Pringles. Well, Nata sat in that car for eight hours, from four to like, from eight at night until four in the morning. And as we were getting back to the home at like quarter to five, we, we had been saying, thank you, thank you the whole time. But one last time, I'm just like, Nata, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. He, he just looks at me and goes, so we're family. We're family. The world will be a little less dark when the types of things happening on that hill are happening in more places. Jesus said, city on a hill can't be hidden. So as we pray this song, let's pray that we can set some new personal bests this season as a church family when it comes to shining and welcoming. Can I get an amen? Amen.